Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, April 3rd, 2018. I'm Broadway World's Julie Musbeck. And I am Broadway star's James Marino. All right, so this is our first day post Jesus Christ Superstar Live, except it's not. It's our second day. But we're just still going to talk about it a little bit just to go back over what happened in the day after Jesus Christ Superstar Live aired. Well, I think it's been good to you because it seems like your cold is a little bit better. How you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it was the flu. Let's not let's not oh, you joke about that. It was the flu. flu. Oh. oh god, it was terrible. I was dying. I went through an entire box of Sudafed in like three days. Oof. Sudafed. That's good <laughs> stuff. You know, if you had taken Sudafed last night, it would have snowed and then all of the snow would have melted all in the course of twelve hours. Potentially. I suppose I think I probably do have that kind of power. Mm, excellent. <laughs> All right, so let's uh, talking about you know people who have power. Little uh, Jesus Christ Superstar live in concert ratings and reviews. Yeah, so this is just to give you an idea. Little fun facts here: the live musical pulled nine point four million viewers, which it's not the best NBC has done, but it did beat out sixty minutes and American Idol. And it did, in fact, make NBC the winner amongst the big four networks. It was also critically acclaimed and was NBC's most watched Easter Sunday in a whole 12 years. Now, James, I know you liked it, right? Yes, I did. We heard about that on yesterday's show. Mm-hmm. I listened to some of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long I will show. Go back. I will go back and finish it, I promise. But I definitely agree with what was said. I thought it was fantastic. I watched it today, yesterday. So <laughs> just going to keep making a mess of that. Yeah. 9.4 million. I would have thought it would have been more either that or I know all 9.4 million people who watched it. Yeah. I think every single one of them is on my Facebook and Twitter feed, which includes people like Jill Biden watched it. That's mm-hmm. what I saw as I went to bed last night. I was like, God, I'm the only one who did not watch it immediately. But I've seen it now. So we're all good. That's excellent. Excellent. And what was your take on it? We didn't talk to you last night. Yeah, I thought it was amazing. I was so impressed. I was actually really excited about this one. I mean, more than I was for any other one from the beginning. It just felt different. It felt more fun, more new and different. And I think that was definitely proven in the event itself. It was stunning to watch. I mean, every element was just so on point, except for a few things, but... Well, like what? What, what? what was your favorite thing and least favorite thing? Um, I loved the devotion to the set and the lighting. I loved the way that was such a huge part of it. I think more than in just about anything else I've ever seen. It was just so dramatic and so engulfing. It just put you straight into the world and made everything so scenic and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and I love Sarah Bareilles. I was really impressed with Sarah Bareilles. I was really excited to see her. And I'm sad that she didn't get to do more, but I thought she was amazing. Um, something interesting that I didn't, I, I, I forgot to mention last night because we had so much to talk about uh, when we, we, uh, we had just finished watching it and then recorded immediately afterwards. I'd like to think that we were the first ones to put a uh, media review out about it. But... Um, <laughs> The 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 actual title of 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 the of the show last night was Jesus Christ Superstar Live in Concert. Right. 
there was very little concert there. It was like a full-blown production, in my opinion. I felt like it was sort of half and half. I felt like it was more concert than full production, but it definitely had elements of both. I don't. I, I think I, I, compared I, to the other live musicals we've seen, I mm-hmm. think if you compare it to that, then those I would say are definitely. If that's the definition of mm-hmm. a full production, then this is definitely a concert. Um, you know, how many concerts do you go to? I've been I I go to a handful of concerts every year, and I, surely not huge staging, lights, acting, things like that. I, you know, certainly I'm not complaining. I loved it, but I was like, uh, they they build this as a concert. I think they exceeded expectations. Anyway, that was that was my only point about it. In their own way of like making a false low expectation bar by saying it's a concert and then they show up and it's almost not so that you are so impressed. Yes, exactly. Sort of manipulative. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Setting the low expectation game. Huh. Well, you know who has who can't play the low expectation game anymore? Who? Hamilton, Wicked, Phantom, things like that. Let's talk about last week's Broadway Grosses. It's a very nice segue. (laughs) So things continued to climb at the box office last week as spring breaks and the holiday weekend helped fuel an 18.64% increase in Broadway receipts. Last week, the main stem brought in $42,016,689 and a nearly $10 million increase over the corresponding week in 2017. A handful of shows took advantage of the equity holiday rules and played an extra ninth performance. A total of 22 shows saw week-to-week gains of six figures or more, led by The Lion King, which was one of the shows to add a ninth performance. It picked up an extra $1,020,633 to give the show's third $3 million week at just over $3,092,000, almost enough to fund a trip to Antarctica, right? (laughs) We'll talk about that, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, let's talk about that. Boy. All right, Wicked, another nine-performance show, jumped over 907000 and Frozen, which after opening only played eight shows, included some without Patty Murin, climbed over $804,000 to come in at nearly $2,247,000. Because of The Lion King's added performance, it actually stood atop the pack last week as Hamilton saw a $200,000 decline, breaking its nearly two-month streak above $3 million. It's $2,882,000 was followed by Wicked at $2.72 million, the aforementioned Frozen, and Aladdin all above $2 million. Then there was Springs. You know, it caused that whole Hamilton decline, right? No. It it was that the the Trump voters uh, protest, you know, they were protesting Hamilton. This is when, you know, a year ago or uh, (laughs) half, 18 months ago, and they said they were going to protest Hamilton. So, um this is when they got tickets was for this week and they decided not to go. I did not know that. I made that all up. Of course you did. <laughs> well, I was trying to avoid you getting to the Springsteen section. Yeah, that's what I figured because, you know, they're going to see a you know million dollar bump when you finally get your ticket because that's how much you're going to have to spend <laughs> is what I hear. Oh, but Matt said to be nice to you. Ooh, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> So Springsteen on Broadway only played four shows last week. Dear Evan Hansen, The Phantom of the Opera, Harry Potter, Mean Girls, School of Rock, Come From Away, The Book of Mormon, Hello Dolly, Anastasia, Carousel, My Fair Lady, Kinky Boots, and SpongeBob SquarePants were all above seven figures in grosses. Broadway welcomed two new shows to the main stem last week. 
as both Summer, the Donna Summer Musical and Roundabout's Transfer of Travesties played four performances. Travesties only brought in $151,212, but Summer did a healthy $569,000 for 77.4% of its gross potential. In total, 11 shows were above 100% of potential, with Wicked leading the way at 136%. So James Holiday's are almost always drawn for Broadway, and last week was clearly not an, ex- not an exception. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think that uh, we have a lot of uh, new stuff on Broadway and a lot of people catching up with hard to get uh hard to get tickets like the wickeds and the hamiltons and the Van hansons and uh and frozen seems to be a new very hot ticket uh i saw it last week and i saw it without patty murin so i'm going to try to get back again to see it again with patty in the next couple of weeks but we'll see how that goes that was her understudy was she great yeah what you know it i we talk about this every now and then it's like you know the worst football team in the NFL is filled with, you know, 80 world-class athletes. It just happens to be that for one reason or another, that, no, they're not winning games. But it, same sort of thing happens on Broadway. I mean, the weakest link in a Broadway show is probably a hundred times more talented than anybody else you'll ever meet in your lifetime. It, it, you know, we're, we're so lucky to have such incredible talent here, uh, she was so good, so funny, and uh, I really enjoyed. Uh, I enjoyed Frozen. I I was uh, I'm an outlier for the Broadway reviewers who are out there. I think that Frozen suffered a little bit from what I can call uh, sort of like a Lion King syndrome, where the opening of the the musical Lion King, the Circle of Life opening, is like absolutely amazing and then the show kind of drifts from there and i felt frozen sort of like that as well i think frozen's opening is really really good and then a little a little bit drifts it's got two or three songs that can either be trimmed or eliminated altogether and one scene that is totally like one of these things is not like the other so um you know other than uh, I really liked it, with with the exception of those things, and those things were only really minor. So I think Frozen's going to be around a long, long time. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised about that. I just thought it interesting that a lot of the complaints about it are that it doesn't wow like you would expect it to. They didn't take a movie and make it bigger and live on stage. They took a movie and put it on stage. Well, I would differ and say that it's frozen based on the movie. It's not okay. it's not a direct transfer. It's uh it, it it does its own thing and there's some new material in it, new storylines and uh things along those lines and they and they re-envisioned it for the stage. Uh it's not a direct car a direct copy and I think the I've spoken to a number of families who, uh, you know, aren't Broadway insiders that go to the theater once or twice a year and they saw Frozen and they were disappointed because they wanted the exact replication on stage and it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but I'm really happy with uh, seeing it uh, and I'm looking forward to seeing it again. All right, let's do the show and casting news. What do we have there? 
All right. So first off, Desperate Measures is going to return off-Broadway at New World Stages. On Friday of last week, it was announced that the Shakespeare-ish country-western musical Desperate Measures would come back to New York following a multi-extended run at the New York Theater last fall. The show will now play New World Stages for an open-ended run beginning on May 30th with an opening night set for June 13th. The show features music by David Friedman, book and lyrics by Peter Kellogg, and directed by Bill Castellino. There's no news yet as to whether the original cast will return. And James, did you see this one? I did not see it, but uh, we did talk about it on uh, on This Week on Broadway, and it uh, was kind of mixed, I, I, if I do remember correctly. But um, Shakespeare-ish is funny. <laughs> I like that. Did uh, I, I, you know? Matt wrote, wrote the script, and I, I'm wondering if uh, if that's a if that's from the production, or did or did Matt uh, come up with Shakespeare-ish? I don't think I've seen that language used for it before, but it's entirely possible that they said that because <laughs> it is supposed to be measure for measure, but they yeah. sort of twisted it around, huh? All right. Lily James reportedly in talks to lead the Beatles musical film. Yes. So last week, the Daily Mail's Baz McBoy continued reporting on the upcoming movie musical, All You Need Is Love. He previously reported that stage and screen director Danny Boyle will helm the film, which will use the songs of the Beatles to tell a contemporary story about a British musician with a unique relationship to the Fab Four's music. Last week, the McBoy reported that Lily James has joined the film. And it will keep her in the musical world as she plays the young Donna in the summer's Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. She's also currently Matt's pick for Glinda in the Wicked movie, which I judge him for that. <laughs> <laughs> she can't sing. Mm. I mean, she she's passable, but oh goodness, she has nowhere near the skill for that. Yeah, you have to really be a singer to be do Glinda. I, I, I don't really know if Lily James can sing or not. I can't recall ever hearing her sing. All I've heard is the like recordings from Cinderella and things like that. She sings uh, Lavender's Blue Dilly Dilly, and uh, it's it's fine, but it, no. <laughs> 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 anyway, other details about this film are scarce at this point, but as we hear more, we will, of course, let you know. All right. The CW renews Crazy Ex-Girlfriend for a fourth and final season. Yeah, so this is some newer news. It was confirmed yesterday that the hit show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend was renewed by the CW for a fourth season. The catch is that it will be the final season. But now, apparently, following the season one finale, Rachel Bloom told The Hollywood Reporter that her ideal number of seasons is around four. She's saying that we're a show about a very specific journey in a person's life, and it's not really a sitcom meant to spit out copies of itself. So she's, I guess, feeling a little bit okay but she also took to Twitter saying that the odds of selling a TV show pitch are small. The odds of getting a pilot shot are even smaller. The odds of getting that show ordered to series are even smaller. And the odds of getting past season one are even smaller. Because of the CW, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend beat the odds. So, of course, it is an incredible achievement to have had a show at all for one season, two seasons. And, I mean, congratulations on four seasons. So uh, it used to be that uh, the magic number was five seasons. When you got to five seasons, you had 100 shows, and you could get into syndication and make 
you know, it, it took on a whole new level of making money on your television show. I don't know if that's still the case these days with uh, so much uh, on demand in the television landscape changing. But uh, did you see, uh, in a separate note, did you see Michael Dale's article in Broadway World on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and Stephen Sondheim? I did. And I saw that Rachel Bloom saw it as well, which was impressive. So this was like an April Fool's column that Michael Dale wrote that said uh, that Stephen Sondheim was going to make an appearance on Crazy Ex-Girlfriend and then Rachel Bloom... Uh, uh, and he was going to premiere a new song, yeah. too. Yeah. He's going to appear and he has a new song just for the show. And uh, and Rachel Bloom saw it and tweeted back and it became a little, uh, a little uh, thing... Um, which was really, really funny and great. And uh, it, it's so interesting how you have such a connection to these these writers in real time these days. Hmm. All right. Uh, Walk-up arts to provide the most intimate theater experience in New York. Hmm. This is, is this real? You'll have to tell me. I, it sounds bizarre. So... On Friday, Time Out New York's David Goldberg reported that New York's, quote, experimental theater company, Walk Up Arts, um, their upcoming season is themed Small Plays for Giants. And in addition to three more traditional shows scheduled for the Tank Theater on 36th Street, the company will present the end of the world bar and bathtub in your actual bathtub. So audience members can sign up to have two performers come and perform the show in your bathtub. The audience is capped at two people, but tickets are only $50 a piece. However, knowing how tight New York apartments can be if you don't have an actual bathtub, you can have the company present their show, Baby Jessica's Well-Made Play, in your closet. However, that show is limited to one actor and one audience member. And if you want more information on how to bring these shows into your home, check out the link in the show notes at BroadwayRadio.com. I don't know if you would want that, but I'm sure it would interest some people. Uh, do you remember as a couple of years back now, there was a, uh, somebody doing, uh, a performance in Times Square and you would have the, uh, an audience of one, they had some sort of booth or something in Times Square and you would go in and they would do a show for you. It was sort of a, it, literally a black box that <laughs> they would go into. Uh, this sounds uh, like a twist on that with just uh, a bathtub because bathtubs uh, get a lot of clicks. How odd that they come to your home, though. It's like mm. on-demand delivery theater. <laughs> I'm telling you, that could have, uh, you know, maybe a new twist on Seamless. Exactly. You just pull out your phone, pull out the app and choose your actors and have them come over and do, you know, Wicked or The Lion King in your... I don't know, living room and kitchen, maybe. Hmm. Well, interesting. Uh, in the recommendations section, we have the release of the long-awaited Drunk Wicked second act. Uh, maybe you can order that up on your app? You can definitely order it up on your YouTube app, which is probably more convenient and realistic than anything else we're discussing. And cheaper than Seamless. Maybe hmm. not quite as fun. We'll have to see. But anyway, in 2015... A video hit the web that had us all laughing, followed by a desperate search and then patient wait for part two. Now, finally, in the year 2018, we have act two of Drunk Wicked. 
And anyone who watched Act One deserves to see this just for the sake of closure, but also it boasts an all-star cast. Shoshana Bean, Megan Hilty, and Eden Espinosa return, and they are joined by superstars Kiala Settle and Cheyenne Jackson, as well as Whitney Bashore. So make sure you check that out, and if you have no idea what this is, go back and watch both parts and bask in the satisfaction of not having to wait. I mean, they're very busy performers, of course, but... Oh, it almost hurts to see that the whole Shoshana Bean section of her drunkenly telling the story is all shot in a single night, which, I mean, she didn't have to get drunk again, so that's nice. But it's like, guys, 2015 to 2018. Yeah, that's a little bit of a wait. (laughs) Not as bad as Game of Thrones. Absolutely. Well, uh, our listeners won't have to wait that long for our next episode. Why don't you get us out of here? All right. Thank you for listening to today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter at Julie Musback. And my name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com. I will not be back tomorrow, but Julie will be with Matt. And uh, I think I'll be back on Wednesday or Thursday and uh, talk to you then. Mm -hmm.